Welcome, welcome, welcome. What a special episode we have today for you guys. Episode lucky number 13 with special one cards. Again, thank you all that do continue to support the show and uh, listen. It's always a challenge recording a podcast when you solo, right? When, when you don't have anybody else talking to you on the other side, you're expected to pretend that you're actually talking to people in a room. And that would be the listeners, you guys. But today, you actually get to hear me interact with somebody else on the show. Uh, we pre-recorded it, so it'll be uh, on the second half of the um, episode here. This episode is going to be a little bit longer. Obviously, we had a guest, uh, and I kind of wanted to wait till today to record the show. Today is Thursday. Um, this show will probably go live either tonight or on Friday morning uh, for all of you. For me, one of the big parts of it was waiting to um, kind of get a rundown on selections of World Cup. And I don't want to go too deep into it, but for me, I want to look at, you know, the U.S., which we had our guest on. You'll hear him later. Uh, Jeremy from down at his Instagram is at downtown soccer cards. So make sure you give him a follow. Let him know he did a great job. Uh, we both of us, you know, we actually recorded the the episode on a camera on a zoom so it was kind of cool to be able to interact with somebody uh via via camera and, and try to understand the passion that somebody has for certain players in that moment because if voices don't always tell the story right sometimes visually you need to see that kind of passion that people do have uh for certain things you know whether it be a sport whether it be card collecting whether it be whatever it may be your kids your your kids your family anything uh, but jeremy really struck me as a person i've met him a few times but it strikes me as a, a really passionate individual on the u.s soccer team um that he really enjoys uh collecting and, and watching uh, he is also a big nigeria fan so so for me you know wait for the second half of the episode to listen to that i want to kind of go over a few things before i um i'll put that recording for you to listen to you know i waited i wanted to wait till today to talk a little bit about um portugal right uh in terms of their team selection who they got they named their squad today um i wasn't overly upset uh i would say i was i was pretty much in agreement with everything uh besides a few players maybe two or three so it wasn't too bad in terms of my perspective of what they of what coach fernando santos is bringing to the table again a lot of people have called them for have asked for his head to be put on a, a swivel or be fired or, you know, I, I, you know, I'm one of those guys when he lost that, that, that nation's league game to Spain, I was really upset because I thought he really blew that, that game in terms of the coaching. Um, but, you know, like I say, everything happens for a reason. Um, uh, you know, unfortunately I didn't get everything I wanted uh, in terms of players that, um, I want to see on the on the Portuguese national team, and I want to kind of break it down a little bit for you guys, and we'll talk about a little bit about their cards too during this episode. I think that's an important part because this is not just a soccer kind of show; it's it's about cards as well. So, um, let's talk about let's start from the back for Portugal um, a little bit. We'll start from the back and then go and up forward. So, goalies uh, you have Diego Costa from Porto. 
Jose Sa from Wolverhampton Wanderers and Rui Patricio, of course, with Rui Patricio is probably going to be the backup there. Jose Sa has been very good at uh, Wolverhampton over the last few years as well. And then Diego Costa, the new um, the new Portugal number one, right? The youngest, uh, I think his valuation is about 40 or 45 million at this point. Uh, Vitor Bahia, a former Porto great goalkeeper who also played for Barcelona, won a European Cup at Barcelona as well has claimed that Diego Costa is the best keeper in the world. Uh, Diego Costa saved his last four penalty shots in the Champions League. Um, that's really impressive, <laughs> really ridiculous. So I expect great things from him. I think you can find he's got a rookie sticker, but I think he's actually in this year's Road to Qatar set as well. So, uh, again, goalies aren't really absorbed or likened by the hobby in terms of the respect they should get. Um, I think until a, a little later on, right, they, they do get that respect. So, um, all right, the the defense. Uh, so Fernando Santos decided to bring a bunch of wing backs and a few center backs. Uh, hey, to each their own, right? Diego Dalot is going to be there. Great form at Manchester United. Uh, you know, Jose Mourinho a few years ago when he bought him, a lot of people were like, what? Why are you buying this kid? He's turning into quietly into one of the, the best uh, right backs in the world. João Cancelo, enough said about him. We know how good he is. Danilo Pereira, who essentially is converted from a midfielder now into uh, a center back uh, that's dependable. Uh, Pepe from Porto, we all know him. the The player everybody loves to hate, but the player that everybody loves to love if they play him on their team, if they're if he's playing on your team. Ruben Diaz, former Benfica uh, starlet at Man City, we know about him. Nuno Mendes, fantastic, uh, just turned twenty. PSG player. He's been playing everywhere at PSG. He's played left back. He's played left mid. He's played right mid for them. Dynamic player that can really play anywhere on the field. I've even said he could probably play up top too if need be. Um, Rafael Guerrero from uh, Borussia Dortmund. And then finally, the one uh, kid that, uh, wonder kid that's made 18-year-old Antonio Silva at Benfica. He's really kind of Came on this, burst on the scene, uh, excellent player. He's actually grew up about three miles away from my parents' house in Portugal. So kind of interesting that he's down the street. Uh, seems to be that area of Portugal. We A lot of talent comes out of that area. So um, so my thoughts on this. Um, again, you're bringing Dalo, Cancelo, um, Mendes, Guerrero, four players that essentially can play any of those positions. Guerrero more so can only play the left back position, but I don't understand this. I think, you know, and I'll do respects to Rafael Guerrero, who plays fantastic at Dortmund. He's been a stalwart for the Portuguese national team. Um, I think I would have brought another center back, especially with Pepe's health. He's been injured. Um, I, I, you know, I really want to see Gonzalo Inacio from Sporting. I think he deserved the call up. I don't think you needed that many guys uh, again. You know, Mendes is really the only one that's really a dependable left back. So you probably needed Guerrero there as a backup just in case. So that makes sense. Although Cancelo can probably move over there too. So that's why Fernando Santos is the coach of Portugal and I am not. But uh, again, it's, this is not a football manager or FIFA. So, um, but for me, I want to see Nacio there. I didn't, I'm not sure if, if the sacrifice there is Pepe or Danilo. In that case, uh, I think you have to bring a youngster, another youngster, and maybe Fernando Santos thought that, okay, we're bringing Antonio Silva, he's 18, he's a youngster for the future. So maybe that's, that was his reasoning. All right, midfield. Um, uh, Juan Paina, uh, Fulham, um, 
he's got i think product this year and he's got a sticker from 15 or 16 i can't remember if you guys are and not to change subject here but if you guys are following Ujabi Portugues did a great um post uh today on these players rookie stickers to take a look at he's doing one for cards too i believe tomorrow so you have to check it out so Juan Peña Fulham uh, is going to his first World Cup. Ruben Neves from Wolverhampton, former Porto player who Wolverhampton paid a hefty sum for uh, when he was 18 years old. Another product out of the Porto system who's a fantastic world-class player. Should be at a bigger club, I would imagine. So next summer, we'll see. Bernardo Silva, we know him. Not much to say about him. Uh, one of the best in the world, in my opinion. Bruno Fernandes, Manchester United, we know about him. Um Mateus Nunes, uh, Wolverhampton, uh, a player that uh, Pepe has called one of, not Pepe, Pep Guardiola has called one of the best at his position in the world, uh, ends up on Wolves, Man City to sign him. I mean, Man City can't sign everybody, right? So, um, Otavio Montero, another FC Porto player, and I'm not a Porto fan, uh, just to let you guys know, I am a Benfica fan. I do support Portuguese players, though, completely. So, Otavio Montero, um, a lot of people didn't like this selection, uh, and for me, I liked I liked that he's bringing him. I think he's got a high work rate. I watched him this year. He plays, man. He just he just really plays plays his heart out. Uh, so I'm happy with that selection. Vitinha, who is quietly becoming one of the best midfielders in the world, not a statistical juggernaut player, so he's not going to score a lot of goals. He's not going to have a lot of assists, but he's going to be the guy that kind of ties that that back line together with the forward line. So, you know, watch him at the World Cup. He's a fantastic player. He starts for PSG. I mean, that's saying something. Uh, and William Carvalho Betis, uh, who's been kind of a, uh, a general for uh, Fernando Santos for many years. Um, a few of the uh, – one of the shocking ones that I'm surprised he called him uh, to the team, João Mario Benfica, who's having a huge year. He's been tremendous. He's in form. So I understand the calling and bringing him uh, to the team. Um, for those that don't know João Mario, he was a Sporting Academy player. Uh, I think he played a year or two at Sporting before Inter bought him. Uh, I think they paid about, I want to say, $40 million for him. He was expensive. Uh, and I think that was after the 16 euros, 2016 euros that he went uh, to Inter. Didn't succeed there. Um, ended up, I think, if I remember correctly, in Russia for a little bit, or he may have gone back to Sporting, one of the two. Uh, and then ends up at Benfica. Um, so, you know, he's interesting, kind of a resurrection uh, project. He's still pretty young. Uh, for me, uh, the midfield, I think, you know, I understand why you wouldn't bring Ronaldo Sanchez. He's inconsistent. He's hurt. He's But when he plays, when he's healthy, he's so dynamic uh, for this team. He just brings a different type of engine to this, to this midfield when he's in the game. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, who's going to be that guy for this team? It could be Otavio Montero, who's, like I said, high work rate. Uh, you know, I just don't see a lot of speed in that midfield for Portugal, and that's kind of worrisome to me. Um, that's kind of a little problem for me. So uh, I initially had thought that we didn't have enough uh, depth in the back line, and we don't. We still don't. Um, so we'll see. Portugal, I don't think they do. Uh, on the In the um, forward line, you have uh, – Call-ups, Andre Silva, uh, Leipzig player, uh, obviously two years ago in the Bundesliga was the second leading scorer behind Robert Lewandowski, and Holland was third. Just so you Holland lovers know it, he was third behind Andre Silva. Um, Cristiano Ronaldo, we know him. Um, João Felix, 
Rafael Leão and uh, Ricardo Horta, uh, a player from Braga. And who else I miss here? Gonzalo Ramos. Okay, I'm going to talk a little bit about each one. Andre Silva, I don't think he should be there. That's just my opinion. Some people say he's a real number nine. He's not a real number nine to me. I'm quite the opposite on him. I'm not very high on him. I never was. People will tell you this. Even when the hobby was spiking and people were selling Andre Silva cards for massive money and they wouldn't move on their prices, I said, you're going to regret not selling it for that offer that that person just made you. I was right about that. Um, hey, you know what? I think maybe Santos realizes he needed another number nine. I don't think you needed another, another number nine. So I wouldn't have brought him. Cristiano Ronaldo is going to be there. Um, I think he's kind of... Uh, sewn up his place due to his status, right? Uh, it kind of reminds me a little bit of, you know, Luis Figo at the point when he was kind of ending his career with the national team. He was still starting. Uh, he had actually, before the 06 World Cup, he had stated, or I think it was a year before Figo, if I remember correctly, he had said he was done with the national team, and then he changed his mind and came back and was a starter. So, um so, you know, Ronaldo's kind of at his end here, or is he? We don't know. He hasn't played a whole lot for United. He's rested, which is going to be good. Uh, again, that can hurt players, too, if you don't play enough. You don't get that game. You don't get your game legs quickly and that, things of that nature. Gonzalo Ramos, I'm really happy to see him there. I'm hoping that he's the first option besides Andre Silva as a number nine. Um, Gonzalo Ramos, what's unique about him is you can kind of play – he can play the left side, the right side. He can kind of float. He can play behind the, the, the striker, the proper number nine. He, he's a very dynamic player in that forward line. Joan Felix, you know, at Atletico Madrid, Simeone has made his life hell. Um, I'm not sure who's going to go first. If Simeone is going to get fired, there's been rumors of that. Um, and it could possibly be he's handled Joan Felix incorrectly, hasn't played him enough, brings him on, and he scores. So we'll see what he does at the World Cup. I think this is his moment. Uh, it could be Joan Felix's moment to really shine and show the world why I also believe that he's probably one of the top three most talented players in the world. He's got that capability. So we'll see what happens there. Rafael Leão, Milan, a fantastic player. The best dribbler probably in the world at, at this point uh, right now statistically. That's based on t- statistics, not my opinion. He just – you may have watched him before and said, I don't I don't get it. He, he just doesn't look um, – like he's dribbling fast, you don't because of his size. He's such a big, a big player that it, it just looks like the ball's gluing to his feet. He's not your typical Messi or a smaller guy like an Mbappe that it looks like they're flying through people with the ball glued to their feet. He's just a big guy that has long legs. Looks like he's just cruising. You know, you saw two weeks ago in the Champions League where he took the ball from one end of the box to the other untouched. So um, he's going to be interesting to see. I think he's going to be. Uh, I think more people are going to find out why he's so good uh, at this World Cup and why I think he's so good as well. Uh, people just don't realize it yet. I mean, he was the best player in Serie A last year. So, you know, take that into consideration. Ricardo Horta. Interesting player uh, for Braga. little older player um, that you... Um, and I'll go over the cards maybe for each or some some cards to really think about uh, in terms of these players if you're looking for them. Um, Ricardo Arta plays for Braga in Portugal. He's 20 years old. He is a forward and generally, I mean, this year he's got four goals, four assists in 12 games, right? Last year he had 19 goals and five assists in 32 games. He's played in the 
in the Portuguese league for seven years. Um, so he's no slouch. He's a good little player. Uh, you know, the question is, could they have brought somebody else better? I don't know. Um, hard to say. For me, I kind of felt bad that Gonzalo Gids is not there. Uh, I'm a big Gonzalo Gids fan. I think, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, some people will probably disagree with me, but I think he probably should have been there uh, instead of, um, Ricardo Orta, I don't know, teach their own right. This is why soccer is so kind of dynamic and, and opinionated. Um, but you know, Orta's, uh, he's a pretty, he's a feel-good story, right? He's came up through Vitoria Estubal in Portugal, which is a uh, club in the first division of Portugal as well. Actually, I don't even know if they're still in the first, they might be still in the first division. Um, uh, but they're a legendary club in Portugal that uh, they're actually not in the first division. I'm wrong. I'll try to look at it really quick. Legendary club. Um, you know, you may recall, some of you might know this, uh, Jose Mourinho's uh, father, um, coach there. Mourinho was a uh, a junior level player there as well. Uh, but Arta started at Stubel. First went to Malaga uh, for a little bit. Um, and then ended up at Braga, where he's become kind of solidified his career as a Braga player. So he's interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing him at the World Cup. Um, you know, uh, hopefully he can contribute in some manner and, and shows why Fernando Santos took him. You know, if Fernando Santos is a good World Cup, I think for Portugal at this point, I think what's really important for Portugal this year is I personally think that they can win the World Cup. Um, Las Vegas and the gambling sites, they don't respect Portugal enough to win the World Cup. I mean, they're paying 15 to 1. So that means if you bet, or plus 1,500. So if you bet 100 bucks on Portugal to win the World Cup and they win the World Cup, you win $1,500. There's a lot of value in that bet. Uh, they line up talent-wise with anybody in the world. I don't care what anybody says. I can go down every position, and I will tell you that they all – they match up with everybody. They're one of the only clubs, I would say, Portugal and Brazil, that can really not line up two squads if they had to. If they had to expand these rosters to the 55 initially named, they could name two squads. I think both countries could. Um, Andre Silva, I'm not happy that he's there. Uh, I didn't want him there. I would have preferred Gedge, like I said, and a Jota from... Um, from Celtic, I think he deserved a chance. He's been so good in that league. Uh, but again, the Scottish League doesn't get the respect, and they look at it from the perspective that Francis has made it looked at it and said, well, these guys are playing in tougher leagues, and they're having good success. Uh, Ricardo Orta plays in Braga in the Portuguese League. Is that strong in the Scottish League? Absolutely. Andre Silva plays in the Bundesliga. Is that strong in the Portuguese League? It pains me to say it, but Maybe. Uh, I'm still not fully convinced, but maybe. Um, so a little disappointed in, you know, Inacio not being on the team, disappointed in Jota, obviously, for my personal reasons, because I collect them, um, and Gonzalo gets right. Another name that was really, uh, that I that I for sure thought was going to make this World Cup team was Joao Moutinho. Uh, maybe it's just the nostalgia in me saying that I wish he was there, that leadership being there would help the team. But I think there's plenty of veterans here that can provide the leadership. So we'll see what happens. Um, in terms of opportunities for cards, I think uh, with this team, uh, obviously Ronaldo's last uh, World Cup is important, potentially his last international tournament, although he's come out and said he wants to play in 26 at the European Championships. 
you have to look at players that I think could make impact on the world stage that people flock to, right? Um, you know, potentially you have Rafael Leão, you have Joan Felix, you have Ronaldo, you have Gonzalo Ramos. Those are the guys I kind of look at in terms of the forward lines, that, the guys that can score. Um, Ronaldo, we know he's going to hold value always. It's not going to matter. Gonzalo Ramos is an interesting one. He's only got one rookie. It's in Merlin. It's not his top's finest from this year. Oh, the top's finest, whatever that's, that's called. That's not a rookie. I'm going to put the rookie badge on it. It's a Merlin. It's a Merlin Chrome. If you're not following my Instagram, follow my Instagram at Special One Cards. I have a picture of his Atomic Refractor Gold. That was an SGC 9.5 that I sent to PSA to get the crossover. So let's see how that does. So Gonzalo Ramos, potentially. Joan Felix, his stuff is so cheap right now in terms of some of the lower numbered stuff. His refractors are still selling pretty high at $200, $200 each, I think, the last time I looked. So um, he's still expensive. But, again, his rookie is from an era 2018-19 where there wasn't a massive print run. So people have probably gotten scared because they think refractors are like base. They're not like base from that era. Totally different. Um, you don't have the print runs we have today. So you'll have to think about that before – you say no to a, a numbered card like this. I have his uh, green refractor, number 299, if I can remember correctly, from that set. So, you know, I'm going to be holding that. I'm going to be holding that for a while. I haven't sold it. I'm not going to sell it. Uh, yeah, I'm collecting him. So I still believe in him. I feel, still think he's one of the most talented players in the world. So Rafael Leon, we talked a little bit about him. We did that post last week. He's got a rookie ticket in 2019-20 Chronicles. You have the base. You have the red and you have the cracked ice. Shout out to Carta Maglia who owns a cracked ice and a BGS 9.5. Shout out to him. It's a beautiful card. Hopefully we meet someday so I can see that card. Um, but that's a phenomenal card. You can, can't go wrong with any of those different options that are available. He does also have a short print from that set. It's the Pitch Kings. Uh, it's got the white background with him on it. I like that card too as well. Uh, they don't pop up too often. But I think Leon is probably the guy uh, to really, I think, buy. Uh, although he's a little expensive already, but you can find deals sometimes on the rookie red tickets and the base tickets. So, and the red tickets, the popcorn is still solo on those. Um, look at my post, and you'll see what I mean by that. Uh, the actually, I'll, I'm going to actually mention it now because it makes sense too. The the Rafael Leon, the <clears throat> excuse me. The um, rookie red ticket, the total population count is still only 34, okay? The gem rate is 38%, meaning of the cards that have sent in, 13 out of the 34 have gemmed. That's not very high, very tough. There's fifth, there's 13 10s and 15 9s, PSA 9s. For the base, you have 102 total. It's almost 3x or 2.5x uh, the the base. So that tells you automatically. Red tickets, low, low, low production run. Not as low as cracked ice, but low. Um, so 102 in those. Gem rates, about 89 68%. Excuse me. Almost double the gem rate. Uh, and I have a post on Instagram on this. So you guys can look at the numbers better than I can. 68%. There's 70 PSA 10s and 25 PSA 9s. So not as unique in terms of the value of uh, the, the population count. What's interesting is the Raphael Contenders Red Rookie ticket is $394, the last sale, a PSA 10. 
a PSA 10 in the base is $300 last sale. And that was just this month in November. So you have a card with a pop count that's about two and a half X less than the base, yet it's only worth, you know, what is the, what's do the math for me. Somebody do that math for me. Um, it's not worth two and a half X. So what the base is. All right. And I'm a firm believer in that that card should be about two X the base given what it is. So, you know, I don't mean to go off on that tangent, but, um, so Leon's a guy to really kind of think about. Um, again, the midfield, uh, I don't really see too many opportunities there. You have guys that are consistently, their cards uh, aren't respected, or maybe the players aren't respected as they should be. Like a Bernardo Silva, I don't think he's respected in the hobby at all. Um, and, and he should be, because he's one of the best in the world. So he's one uh, that I think, you know, maybe we see a bump up for him, um, depending. And Bruno Fernandez, same thing. Uh, he, he does get respect. He's a little more offensive uh, than some of the other midfielders that we have. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, you know, I think the opportunity is probably Cancelo, Nuno Mendes, um, guys like that. Antonio Silva does not have a card, unfortunately. He's 18. Uh, not quite yet. He's got a sticker. Uh, I think it's in Ojabi in Portuguese posted on his uh, Instagram the sticker that's from a tops like summer set or something but um Cancelo uh dynamic player obviously Nuno Mendes dynamic he's just turned 20 uh plays multitudes of positions uh to think about so those are kind of the guys to look out like I guess look at for Portugal if you're considering it and maybe I'll do this for a few other episodes in terms of breaking down some of the other teams that I'm looking at and players that I'm looking at and, you know, this episode is a little bit different than the last one we did, than the, the ones we've done lately, because I want to be a little different with the World Cup coming up. Next week, I'm going to do my little predictions, and we'll see how I do uh, at the World Cup. And hopefully we can, uh, maybe I'll come up with some type of contest where we discuss uh, a prediction, like bracket or something of that nature, uh, with groups included. So, I don't know, we'll see. We'll see what I can come up with. Um, but, uh, another thing to, to, to tell you guys, uh, and I am always kind of make sure you guys are following me on Instagram at special one cards. Make sure you guys follow me on whatnot. If you are, make sure you guys subscribe to my podcast, review it, give me likes. I like to see those comments and, uh, reviews, uh, in there. It helps me, it helps push my podcast higher up the kind of ladder as I continue to grow. And I want you to grow with me. Um, so I really do appreciate the support many of you guys give me. I love that, uh, people are messaging me, uh, embracing the podcast, saying that they love it. They love hearing the content and that, and things of that nature. So these episodes are probably gonna be a little longer. I may have two next week too, before the world cup win starts, just so that you guys have a little more kind of background. I may even have to do a podcast every two days over the next week to kind of catch up. So, um, so I think that's uh, that's probably going to be it. Uh, now, actually, no, one, one more thing. World Cup Prism. I like this set. Um, I haven't opened any yet. I haven't gotten any breaks yet. Uh, I'm still contemplating if I want to get some to break for folks. Because um, I have an MLS break to fill still, Chrome break. So um, if you're interested in that Chrome break, let me know. It's two teams for 65. Just DM me. We'll figure something out. Um, but World Cup Prism, I may get some to break. I just haven't decided yet. The prices just aren't right in my eyes. Uh, I, I 
those boxes to me are $280 boxes. Uh, I don't want to burst anybody's bubble, but I, I don't want to, you know, for me to buy a box of Prism and then turn around and try to try to sell spots to cover the box and make money. Uh, it just doesn't make sense for me. I, I like to have, so I like to make some money. As you know, we did a Merlin break a few weeks ago. I think I made 60 bucks. I actually might've lost money on that break, but um, for me, I try to get boxes or cases at a good price where I can pass on the savings to the community. It's all about growing the hobby. This isn't my job. I'm not a breaker full-time. I have a job daily. Um, this is just fun to me and to help grow the hobby. Um, another quick thing, guys, uh, if you want to grade cards, you can send them to me as well. If you want to, just shoot me a DM. We can figure it out. Uh, I don't upcharge. It's down to 15 bucks a card. Um, the turnaround time is 90 to 120 days. PSA generally has been pretty fast, though. So um, take a look at it. If you've got cards to grade and you can wait, um, do it. Last thing before we have Jeremy on. Um, one of the things I talked to him about at the end of the episode, you'll you'll see, you'll hear it, is the vintage players, the players from uh, other eras. And I expect to see a bump for their prices uh, at this World Cup and after the World Cup. I'll tell you why. I think there's going to be a lot of people that don't haven't watched soccer, fall in love with the sport, and they may want to try to find those guys. So take that into consideration. Maybe I'll do a post this weekend on that, and we can talk about it. All right, guys, I appreciate the support. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week. Don't jump off yet. Jeremy is coming on right now from at Downtown Soccer Cards. Looking forward to this chat with him. And uh, let me know what you guys think. All right, guys, we have a special guest this week, a first inaugural guest out of the uh, beautiful city of New York City with the most losing franchises in uh, the country. That's a joke. I want to introduce you guys to Jeremy. Uh, he is also known as Downtown Soccer Cards on Instagram. Give him a follow if you can. He's got an interesting PC item. You'll notice on his bio, the United States Men's National Team, Marcus Rashford, J.J. Ochoa, for those that know who he is. And lastly, Ernest Hemingway. Welcome, Jeremy. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Cool, cool. So we wanted to, um, you know, bring somebody new on. Well, first one, actually, not even somebody new, but somebody for the first time. Um, that was, for me, somebody that I look at and I follow his Instagram quite a bit for U.S. news, U.S. national team news, really knowledgeable guy on this stuff. So we're happy to have Jeremy on. Uh, Jeremy, quick question for you on your PC items. Uh, JJ Ochoa, what, what, well, let's go back to why you PC. I know who he is. A lot of people might not know who he is. So you may want to educate the crowd a little bit here. Yeah. So I am, I was born in 89. So the, the first World Cup that I remember really is the 98 World Cup. And Ococho was at the 98 World Cup where Nigeria overperformed. And I, I distinctly remember watching his games. And him doing things with the ball. And I was like, oh, wow, I did not know you could do that. So I, I followed him forever. I, I'm a firm believer that if he played now, he would be a, like, all-time big star. Like, he's 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 one of those guys that you should really watch YouTube highlight videos just to kind of see what he can do. He He's a magician. So, interestingly, he doesn't really have any real cards. So it's it's really just... Sticker hunting. I think he has like a Futera one of one that I've never seen pop up. If it, if somebody has it, I'm a I'm a buyer, obviously. <laughs> um, 
but uh very cool because I re- I do remember him too as well. So yeah, he was a very good player. Very he was, good he was player. incredible. Incredible. I, player. Yeah, he, he was like Ronaldinho before Ronaldinho. <laughs> that's actually a good way to that's a good comparison to to make. And those teams from Nigeria in the in the nineties were incredible teams. Incredible really good teams. Uh, I'm trying to remember here. I think in '94 were they quarterfinalists in the they were. US? Yes, they were. Yeah. Incredible teams. I remember my dad even talking about Nigeria, how they were such a strong, athletic, and just a really uh, impressive team that that had come out of Africa. So those are 90s Nigerian teams are great. It's too bad we're not going to see them at the World Cup, actually, this year. I know. It is a shame. And they they always tend to have uh, really good young talent. They always overperform at the Youth World Cups. Um, they, they've actually be kind of, because of Okocha, of Okocha become my 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 secondary team. If I root for anybody that's not the United States, it's Nigeria. Very cool. Very cool. Lastly, you have Ernestine Hemingway as a PC item. Is that is that not a PC or is that just something that you like? I mean, I I, I love Hemingway. I I was a my previous life. I was an English major, undergrad. He's my favorite author. Um, but he weirdly does have a few cards. Um, of the few that he does have, I have most of them. He has a a sticker from. 1976 Panini OKVIP, OK which is a criminally underrated set that I have, and I, I recommend everyone check out. Cool, that's awesome. Good to hear that. It's always nice to hear some different things that uh, people are collecting or looking for, and things of like that. I remember you showed me that that Eusebio that you uh, were grading with PSA. Same set. Know, I'm not sure if you got that. What set was that from? That's same set. Oh, same called, set. Yeah, OKVIP OK 1976. Cool. Awesome. That's a interesting, like really, really, really nice for the eye, right? The eye appeal on those is yeah. really beautiful work that they did. So enough with the Hemingway, enough with the Eusebio yeah. talk, enough with the, you know, Hemingway talk and all that. Cause all that stuff's great. Uh, it's you're really unique in terms of what you like, obviously. So, but we're here to talk about the U S you're a guy yeah. that I do look at quite a bit. You're very knowledgeable in this space. Uh, much more than I am, unfortunately. I don't watch enough MLS. I, I have, I'm guilty of not watching a lot of it, but I'm starting to get more into it. I'm enjoying, I enjoy the cards that are coming from the MLS from Tops, uh, really. And I do see a lot of young talent coming. So kind of want to get your perspective on what we can expect. Um, and I don't want to go into kind of the World Cup predictions of who's going to win the whole thing at all, but I want really want to talk about the US here and try to get a better understanding and for the audience to understand what should we expect from the U.S.? Who should we watch for? Um, are you disappointed? Are you excited? Are you uh, indifferent? So I would say I was pleasantly surprised by the roster release, I would guess, in a much different way than most people were. Um, I think most of the, you know, quite frankly, I think like 21 of the 26 choices are the, are the same choices that everyone would have made. So we're really arguing about five guys at the margin. With that being said, I, I think the five guys that Berhalter chose were much more, uh, for lack of a better word, pragmatic than I, I would have expected, um, which in my opinion shows that he's willing to diverge from quote unquote Greg guys, which I, I think is the knock that he gets and take guys that are a little bit outside of his comfort zone, um, guys that aren't called in all the time. I, I think Tim Ream is the best example. I think he should be there, but uh, it definitely shows he's, he's willing to I, I diverge from his, you know, like 
based plan, which I, I think is is really smart. Um, I did like you know, the Tim Ream call up, you know, having watched yeah. him, watch him at Fulham. He plays well, plays for a really good, I mean, I'm biased, obviously, with Portuguese guys, but plays for a very good coach that yeah. understands his strengths and understands where he can play. And he made that move. Yeah. Yeah. He's, you know, at the same time, he's, he's 35. He has athletic limitations at this point in his career, but he's does a lot of things really well. They're just not the things that Greg has said he's prioritizing, but in bringing him. And at this point, I, I wouldn't at all be surprised if he's the starter in the Wales game. It shows he's, he's willing to, to make some other choices, which I'm, I was very pleasantly surprised by. Did you see the uh, Pep Guardiola quote? I did. I did. That's kind of funny. Yeah. And uh, it may not be wrong, man. It may not be wrong. He tells him what he say. He said, uh, if you were 24, no, if, if you weren't 34, I'd, or like, or if you were 24, I'd sign you. Yeah. Or I'm, I think he said, if you were, right. If you were 24 instead of 34, I'd, I'd want to sign you. And, and yeah. Reams reply was, well, I'm, I'm 35. <laughs> so, yeah. He's, he's a good dude. Pretty funny. Pretty funny. Yeah. yeah. I've, I enjoy, I've enjoyed watching them um, this year, obviously with, Fulham being back in the um, Premier League, uh, it's been nice to watch him. Um, so along those lines, one of the things I've looked at, because I don't look at the back line as much, uh, in the in the area of the forwards, Haji Wright gets called up. And I think, you know, a lot of people don't know who he is. Can you give me a little backstory on him? Um, talk a little bit about him. Sure. So uh, Haji is a, he's a really interesting kid. He was he's a little bit of like a post hype prospect. So when, when he was like 17, 18 playing, he was playing with the youth, nat youth national teams. He was like the guy. Um, I believe he was at, don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure he was at Schalke at the same time as Weston McKinney and Nick Tataguay and, and all those guys. And then he didn't break through. And instead of going to MLS, he actually went to the New York Cosmos, which is in the second division. Um, and I think his reasoning was it was going to be easier to get back to Europe from there than it would have from MLS because of revenue sharing and the the ways that MLS does contracts. Um, and he went a million different places, never caught on, bounced around, wasn't all that successful. And then last year was loaned to Turkey and was very successful and then was bought by a different team in Turkey. Um, and has been very, very good this year. In my opinion, I, I'm actually, I'm happy with the choice. I would have brought him over Pepe. I would have brought him over PFOC. Um, I, I think Greg said that the choice actually wasn't between Pepe and Haji. It was between PFOC and Haji, which I, I think is right. Um, Haji is a little bit of a hybrid between the way that Jesus Ferreira plays number nine and more of a target man. Um, but he certainly can get on the end of a cross the way that Ferreira kind of can't and holds up. He works hard. He's pretty athletic. He, he does a lot of, a lot of that kind of stuff. That's one of the things that impresses me really about him is, is his ability not to give up. Right. And continue to absolutely progress with his career and just say, no, I'm going to stick to this and keep pushing to get where to where I need to be. That's admirable to me. Um, 100%. Deserves that deserves, definitely deserves the call up. Um, any other kind of shocks or surprises? I know you had told me that, you know, Stefan wasn't going to the World Cup, and uh, I was I was pleasantly shocked by that myself. Yeah. Um, any thoughts on that? I mean, 
not that it matters. He's probably not the one number one keeper anyways, but. So there's, there's one rumor on Stefan that I, you know, I don't want to speculate because I certainly don't have any sources, but it does make sense. Um, and the rumor is, is that once Stefan was informed that he wasn't going to be the starter, which in my opinion, he shouldn't be, he, his attitude wasn't great. So Greg's feeling was for a backup, you want a locker room guy and also somebody who can step in in a pinch, hence Horbath, who's shown, you know, in, in the Nations League final, obviously, that he he can step in and it seems to be more of a locker room guy. I don't know if that's true. It's it's It might be speculation, but that would make sense to me. Yeah, I know, because a lot of discussion online was people were disappointed and upset and didn't understand why. And it's for me, it's kind of like we, you know, from one perspective, I sit here and I say, who cares about a backup? Yeah, you know, it, they do matter. Um, you know, in my situation, obviously, I'm a Portugal fan and a U.S. fan, but uh, with Portugal, their backup now is Rui Patricio. I mean, uh, he's good for something, right? You need that veteran yeah. in the locker room to help the younger guys. Diogo Costa's the he's going to be the starter, and sure. so having that second keeper that can be that support engine that provide that leadership to help the keepers and, and the players as well is important. So, and that you probably could be, you might be right. That speculation might hold true. Um, you know, uh, Portugal had a bust off where Rafa has been on fire. Him and Fernando Santos don't get along. Apparently something happened. Um, sure. He didn't want to play for the, for Portugal anymore. So, I, you know, these things happen all the time, unfortunately. Um, so, you know, we'll see what happens there. Uh, and, you know, one of the guys that I actually really am happy to see too on the rock. And it didn't surprise me. Obviously it was, Cameron Carter-Vickers, uh, having watched uh, Celtic the last two years, obviously with my guy Jota playing there, um, I have watched him quite a bit. He's really an impressive player. Any, yeah. any thoughts on him and what he can provide for the U.S.? Yeah, it's it's really interesting. The, um, the current World Cup roster is actually made up of a very high proportion of guys who played for U.S. youth national teams. Um, and I, I described... Um, Haji as a as a post hype prospect, I, I would sort of put Cameron Carter Vickers in the same boat. So Carter Vickers played at the U20 World Cup when he was 17 and when he was still in the, the Tottenham youth setup and was very, very impressive. Um, and if I remember correctly, the US made the quarterfinals losing to I think to Serbia, the 2015 U20 World Cup. Um, and Carter Vickers was excellent playing, you know, a full age group down. But he was sort of part of the Tottenham loan army. He went to this place. He went to that place. I think he was in league one. He was definitely in the championship and sort of moved up every year, but, but never settled in until he made it to Celtic last year. And it's, I think the exact right level for him. It's the exact right team for him. Really physical, really, really athletic. I, you know, I, to me, he's, he's really kind of a quintessential international center back. He's, he's not flashy. He's not going to hurt you. He's going to do all the things and, you know, if, if, if he has to, you know, give a hard tackle, he's, he's for sure going to do that. Yeah. I find that I find sometimes that our, you know, our American players that at young ages that go over to Europe that are, that are defenders, right. They seem to be a little more hard nosed than some of the guys yeah. that are groomed here. So I think that's an important aspect to have. And I think that's great for him. Um, I have actually even said before that I think the kid could possibly transfer next summer as well. Uh, you know, yeah, I mean, 
I, I wouldn't be surprised. It, you know, I, you've made this point with with other players. Um, I think you you did with Rainer Jesus that for Tottenham for a long time would not give up his rights. They kept loaning him out and it kept being semi successful and not totally successful. But you know, Tottenham's a big club. They thought they could get something for him, and they didn't think he was a re- the real deal. They they presumably would have exactly. Um, but you know, Celtic paid for him. It's probably the right level, so it, it wouldn't at all surprise me for him to move up a level again. And he has been captaining them this year as well. Yeah, I mean that happens a lot with players. You know, we see that quite a bit where teams will. I mean, Real Madrid, right? Like you just brought up the example I've used before, Renier Jesus. They will not. They will yeah. not give any team the right to buy him. They'll loan him, but yeah. they just won't let you buy him. Yeah. Um, because I wanted him at Benfica this past summer, and I was hopefully I was being so hopeful, but it just didn't happen. But um, you know, one of the guys in the, I think we do have a very talented midfield in the United States. We have some players that can play with anybody. I really feel that, um, you know, I think Weston McKinney is a very valuable tool, uh, for the U S for me, he's probably the best player in the U S I don't know what your perspective on that is, but I look at him, uh, I think he's so important, but I really think for me, and you can talk a little bit more about him. I've watched him quite a bit at Valencia, Yunus Musa, uh, talented player uh, i also gonna i'm gonna let you know and the viewers know or the uh, listeners actually um that i grabbed a, a musa chronicles rookie rated rookie with gold circles for eight dollars last weekend um jealous the guy didn't even know it's in his value box yeah take whatever you want out of there for like grab like two for ten or whatever and i just grabbed one i was like, i'll give you eight bucks for this and the guy took it so um <laughs> So I grabbed it. I didn't have any of his rookies, wanted to have one. Um, just figured I, you know, it's gonna be late for me to grade it to try to flip it. That's not the the end all be all here, but for me, it's just more of a keeper. But talk to me a little about the midfield, what you expect out of that midfield um at the World Cup. Yeah, so I I think Musa is our highest upside player, with the only other option being Giorena, if he if he can stay healthy, if you're considering him a midfielder. Could also consider him a winger. I'm I'm, yeah. fine. I'm fine either way. Um, Musa also has a kind of tenuous at best connection to the United States, but obviously I was I was thrilled when he filed the switch to here. Um, I think he only you know spent two months of his life here, so it was definitely a little bit of a coup to get him. Um, kid, the kid's 19, so he's already playing at Valencia, which you know the last two years they haven't been as great as they have been historically, but it's still a, a huge club in one of the, you know, three biggest leagues in the world. And he's a full-time all-out starter for them. So, you know, sky's the limit. Yeah, I'm, I I, he's a, I think he's a tremendous athlete, first yeah. and foremost. Just a trem- high work rate, big engine you know, on him. You know, speaking of kind of a, a player that became, uh, chose the U.S. right with him, Imagine if Jonathan David had, had chosen the U.S. where he was born, you know, yep. decides to play for Canada <laughs> because he well, spent most of his life there. And I get it. You know, it's kind totally. of, you know, it's kind of like when people ask you where you're from, but when you, you know, your hometown may be in a specific place, but you, you may have spent more time, you know, living somewhere else. Right. Like if I was to like live in New York City for 30 years, but I was in all my hometown for only 10 years. New York City is my hometown. It's not where I grew up, you know. Absolutely. Um, so I get it with John and Dave, but that would have been kind of a nice resolution there. Uh, Brendan, yeah, Brendan Aronson, 
another player, Tyler Adams, those guys, um, you know, these guys are talented guys. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the thing that's interesting at the U S midfield is that it, everyone refers to it as the, the MMA midfield, the uh, Musa Adams and McKenney midfield. And, and I would say all three players have limitations and they all have strengths and just for some bizarre alchemy, it just works. They, they, you know, make each other's strengths better and they limit each other's limitations. And, you know, I, I don't know if individually there are three best midfielders. Like, you know, there's certainly a shout for Reyna. There's, there's certainly a shout for Aronson. There's a shout for Pulisic, but that combination, it just, it just works. And I, and I do think that was one of the problems in the September window where we quite frankly looked or I'll be, I'll be generous. Um, <laughs> is that they weren't playing together. Uh, I wasn't too, um, I wasn't actually too unhappy with their performance against, against Japan because I think Japan is a world-class side. I agree. Um, Saudi Arabia, though, I was really disappointed with their performance in that game. Yeah. But we were, we were missing that. You're missing a lot of guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I've been uh, more optimistic than most considering, you know, by some miracle, we have an injury prone team and by some miracle, most of the team is healthy. Yeah. Who's our number nine at the world cup. Who's our true striker, true number nine. Yeah. Um, in my opinion, I, it, it has to be one of Ferreira or Sargent as your normal starter. I think I'm higher than, than most on Ferreira. Cause I think he does. He's not a natural goal scorer, which, you know, for number nine, you're looking for a goal scorer, but he does all the other things really well. I think he makes really good diagonal runs. He tracks back. He's a little better at hold up play. Um, his work rate is excellent. I think that, that mostly the same can be said for Sargent, although I do think Sargent has a tendency to have mental lapses, which I, I don't love. Um and then Haji, I think at this point is is the change of pace, um, which I think is great. I think you you need a a guy that you can you know lump crosses into if if you're chasing a goal. That's the, as I said in the beginning. I think in the World Cup you have to be pragmatic sometimes. The yeah. the only guy actually that that didn't get in, and I'm I feel like I'm I'm leading the bandwagon on this guy is is, is Brandon Vasquez. Mm-hmm. Um, there was no shot he was getting in, but I I thought that was a mistake personally. Brandon Vasquez to me, he, he plays for Cincinnati. He's another guy, NLS guy, but uh, was a big time prospect, never put it together. Then he was with Atlanta, I think, moved to Cincinnati, and he's been like the guy for Cincinnati. Um, sort of the hybrid of everything that I'm talking about. He's big, physical, fast, but really good defensive work rate, happy to get on a header, happy to body people. I, th- I think a couple people saw him. He, uh, made Aaron Long's life miserable in the playoffs. And I think that was people's excuse to dump on Aaron Long again. But to me, that was more of a vindication of how good Vasquez is than a than an opportunity to to dump on Long. Yeah, Jesus Ferreira is interesting because I, I actually I'm siding with you. The the I probably watched him play 15 times or so, and he does impress me, uh more so than a Pepe. Um yeah. I haven't watched enough of Haji Wright to say who's better, but Jesus Ferrer does impress me. I, I don't feel like he's a true nine, though. You know, he doesn't have that, but he does everything else well, uh, really well. Um, I actually sent in some of his Chrome stuff from last year to grade, uh, and I've just put it away. It's stuff that yeah. I'm just doing. 
because I like the kid too. Um, so, you know, in terms of kind of, you know, we've talked a little bit about the roster here. Uh, was there anybody else that we probably missed uh, that we haven't talked about? Uh, I guess there's two. So there's, there's one big omission from my perspective um, who's Jordy Mahalovic, um, who I would have brought in the midfield, especially since it seems like Luca Della Luca Torre may not be completely healthy. Um, and Jordy just had a bad injury at the worst possible time, like four months ago, and missed out on a camp. But I think he would have shown how good he is. He's uh transferring to AZ in the in the Netherlands, I, I think in January. The deal is agreed to, but I'm not exactly sure when the transfer is going through. Um, that kid's he's the real deal. And then the other one who we mentioned is is Tyler Adams, who I think is kind of the linchpin of the U.S. national team. I don't I don't think he's the best player. I think he's the most irreplaceable, though. I think if he's if he's not on the field, the drop off between him and Kellen Acosta, who I like, I, I, I like Kellen Acosta, is more dramatic than the drop off between any other starting player and and reserve. Um, I don't, I just, I don't think that the national team goes without, without Tyler. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, for me, uh, part of this too is Gio Reyna, right? Such yeah. a talented player. Whenever he's on the field healthy, he just, he's, he's magical. I think he's just as talented as, as probably, you know, some people would probably disagree with me. I think he's, he's one of the talent, most talented, like midfielder slash forwards in the world when he's healthy. Um, and I look at it now, I say, well, is, is it a dormant thing? You know, Holland went through spells there where he was hurt. Uh, Reyna has gone through spells where he's been hurt. Bellingham has had spells this year. He hasn't had any. You know, is it a medical thing at Dortmund? Not to talk about medical, but like he's so important, I think. It just takes the U.S. to a different level when he's on the field. Uh, yeah, I agreed completely. And, you know, he's had, for all intents and purposes, a, a full lost year with, with hamstring injuries. Just injury after injury after injury. And at the risk of jinxing it, he does seem like he's finally healthy. I, I think he's started four out of the last five games for Dortmund, performed. He scored in one of them. It was a penalty goal, but the goal is a goal. Um, and has been really, really solid and dynamic and looks like he's shaken off the rust. Uh, yeah, I, I I agree with you. I think he's a world-class player and, by the way, is still 19. Yeah. So who, who knows? Who knows how good he could be? All right, let's swing this a little bit different now. Um, so, because this is more about cards, right? So let's talk. Uh, you know, we're not financial advisors, obviously. I'm going to throw that out there. We, we, you know, we buy stuff because we like it and we collect it and we enjoy it. Um, I don't flip like other flippers do. I buy stuff that people don't have or that people just haven't bought yet, or they maybe buy later. I just can't get on. You know, you have a family. I have a family kind of on the way. Uh, in terms of going out and buying a, a $5,000 holiday, sure. that's just not me. Um, you know, in terms of the U S national team, are there like three or four players that you would want to look at and not just short-term, but also long-term that we can project because at this point in time, and I've been saying this for months, I'm a long-term guy. I'm going to be in this for a long time. I'm not in it to flip something, you know, 30 days from now. Um, although we might have people listening that are looking at, okay, what U.S. player can I move quickly? Sure. What what are your what's your perspectives with the World Cup coming? Do we see 
that bump, that artificial bump that everyone's expecting. I've had my thoughts on it. Um, kind of want to get your your thoughts on. It. I know it's like a lot of questions there, but get your yeah, order. yeah. You know, I, I I assume there will be some bump, and with the caveat that I think the bump will be bigger if the USA performs. Um, I don't know if you're a whatnot guy, but if if you have been on whatnot in the last week, there have been many, 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 many more soccer breakers than are normally there. I don't know if that's a signal or noise, but you know, I've seen people who do not break soccer are breaking World Cup Prism. So my assumption is that will bring some people into the hobby, even if it's short term that are not normally looking at soccer. Yeah. I also I also think there's that, you know, the same thing that happens with the Olympics. People who don't watch soccer, every commercial on TV is about to be a soccer commercial. So I, I do think that, you know, I'm I'm setting up at a show on the 19th. I, I think I'll see firsthand a little bit if there is more soccer interest than normally is there. Um, I'm cautiously optimistic, frankly, um, that there will be a slight bump. And I think if the U.S. surprises, I think there will be a, a bigger bump. Um, yeah, I mean, and you know, for you, so that's one of the things that I kind of, um, you know, I'm expecting a little bump too, obviously. Um, again, depending on performance, right? That's sure. That's Absolutely. kind of the thing here. You know, I, I do go on whatnot. I do sell on there. Uh, I don't break as much as the other guys break. I do it occasionally. I just have a, if I get a good price on something, I'm going to do it. Um, yep. I'm going to do it at a low cost because uh, it's not my job for me. It's more of a fun thing to rip stuff for people. And and sometimes people don't buy all the teams. So I take the teams and, and I take them, you know. Um, yep. But yeah, you're right on whatnot. I've seen a lot of people on there that never break soccer. You know, you have people that don't know how to pronounce names. Yep. <laughs> who's that guy from this team that was, I think I heard right. somebody say, right. who's the guy from that team from uh, from France? What's that guy's name? I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yes. Um, going back to the the card question, right? Um, you know, if you were, let's say, let's play a game here. If you were a flipper and you had to buy two two players on the U S national team in hopes of taking a gamble um, to flip those cards in, in, during the world cup. Who are they? Um, I'm going to cheat a little, a little bit and I'm going to give you three. Um, okay. So I, I think, I think number one, rightly or wrongly, it has to be Pulisic. Uh, you know, he, he's become the face of the team. You know, I actually think some of the knocks against him are unfair um, because he is the face of the team. But he's the guy that's going to be on the commercials. He's the guy who plays for the biggest team in Europe right now. You know, there was that ridiculous Pawn Stars episode where, you know, he's the LeBron James of soccer. All that's a little bit absurd, but but he's the face. So of anybody who's a casual soccer guy who's looking to get into American soccer cards, that's who they're going to buy. Um, so that's number one. Number two, you already highlighted is Yunus Musa, I think, because he plays in Valencia, which is, you know, probably the United States, the league that gets the third or fourth most attention and he doesn't play for Barcelona or Real Madrid. I, I, I think he has fewer eyes on him, but he is ridiculous and has a couple of really nice rookie products. I, I personally have his uh, Red Flood rookie from Obsidian, uh, PSA 9, that I sort of just tucked away in a corner for, I'll take it out someday. Um, but I, I imagine he'll have one of those you know, big darting runs where he steamrolls through a defense at, at some point during the World Cup and that will get eyes. It'll, you know, show up on 
sports center top 10 or some nonsense like that. And then the third guy is more of a long-term I've, I've also highlighted is, is Tyler Adams. Um, so he has a little bit of a ceiling just by nature of being a six and not being a, a flashy player, but you know, I picked up his on-card auto from national treasures this week for, I think $55 Wow! for, for the guy who's, you know, the captain of the U S national team. So there are rumors that he's that Manchester United has been looking at him for two years. I, it makes a lot of sense to me. They've been looking for a six for a long time. They got Casemiro who's been great, but you know, Casemiro's certainly nearer to the end of his career to the beginning. They, yeah. they need a, a young six and Tyler has well overperformed expectations for Leeds this year. Yep. So if you're, if you're looking for a guy that could quietly show up on a big stage who might be the time that he gets a look from a big team. That, that that's the guy to me. Those are great picks. I, I probably wouldn't disagree with those picks either. You know, one other thing that's really, I'm going to kind of ask you this last question. We have probably about five minutes or so left. When we look at the world cup, we also have a nostalgic feel and we have those feelings from the past, right? Do we see a run up on some of the legends cards during the world cup? Do we see that demand increase I look at it from the perspective that we may see that demand increase, but might stretch out after the World Cup as well because of interest from people that may have never collected soccer or never even watched soccer. Any thoughts on that? Any thoughts on which U.S. players people should probably go get? Yeah, I, the the easiest, you know, two or three to me are uh, Deuce, Clint, you know, Clint Dempsey, Tim Howard, and uh, Jermaine Jones, and part of that is because they're going to be on the commentary team, so. We will see them on TV literally every day of the World Cup. Um, they ha- they happen to also be all time greats. So those would be the three that I would expect interest. Um, the other ones obviously Landon Donovan, although he kind of gets a knock for being a nerd for for lack yeah. of a better word. Um, yeah, people just don't don't like him because he's not he's not cool. Um, amazing player. Uh, you know, he gets knocked for coming back to MLS too soon, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there's. He's not as he's not as. Uh, uh, we don't see him as much in terms Correct. of the other guys, right? He's more of a reserved kind yeah. of player, former player, right? Because um, I that was one of the names that that I would bring up. You know, who's who's the best U.S. player of all time? Who 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 do you consider the best U.S. player of all time? He's got to be. I mean, he's got to be on the list. It's it's him or or Dempsey for yeah. certainly for, for modern times. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I asked that question because I've thought about that recently. I'm kind of like, I think there's going to be a run up on some of these old veterans where you, yeah. you know, people don't know who these guys are. They're just learning the game. Uh, and it presents up an opportunity for people both short and long-term, I think. Cause I think soccer, yeah. especially we know that I've talked about pop reports and soccer compared to like, the other sports and it's like minuscule soccer is, is yeah. such at an infancy stage yeah i you know i to to your point i have um a clint dempsey beautiful game auto gold so to 10 csg 95 i think i paid a hundred dollars for it oh my goodness yeah like that that's you know think about that in any other sport like to choose an equivalent like a Kevin Garnett gold auto out of prism is, is not a hundred dollar card. You know, it's like, it just, it it shouldn't be. So, you know, it has to go up. Yeah, I would agree. I agree. 
All right, Jeremy, I appreciate the time. I think that's, we're coming down to our kind of our deadline here. Um, thank you so much, guys. Make sure you follow him on uh, Instagram at Downtown Soccer Cards. You'll be at the show on the 19th. Where's that going to be, Jeremy? It's in uh, Secaucus, New Jersey. It's it's uh, promoted by this guy, Laz, who people might know on Instagram, who is, in my opinion, runs the best show in the tri-state area. So sh should be a, a real good show. I was actually at that show back in April, maybe, or March. And I thought it was, it was one of the better shows I've been to in the Northeast. Yeah. Uh, there is one uh, next weekend. Is it the same week? It might be the same weekend. Yeah, there is one next weekend, actually. At Logan Logan Sun. Sun. Yeah. Yeah, and I've gone once, and it was it was okay. And they said the, the last one wasn't that great. So, you know, I, I probably am going to try to make it to one in Secaucus. I'd like to. Um, and I hope to kind of see you there. But... I will uh, be there. Thank you for I think thank you for for being on, man. I really appreciate the insight. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure to be on. Your show's great. We'll have to do have it again. Me. Absolutely, anytime. All right, thanks, Jeremy. Take care. Have a good one.